Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Good morning, glad tidings, and happy 4th of July. I am so honored to get to speak this morning. And so I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in. And this morning, I really want to take us on a journey of how we can empower ourselves to make a difference right where we are right now in the climate that everything is taking place. Because at the basis of the gospel, at the basis of Jesus, it is this, a call to change. Because at the very root of what our desire is as Christians is to become more like Christ. So every day we should be striving to be more like him. And this morning I want to talk practically about how we can move in a direction of being more like Christ each day. And I want to encourage you this morning because I believe there are some of you that are in this mindset, and I find myself in this mindset as well, of we are waiting, waiting for the right time to change. We're waiting for the right moment to do something for God. We're waiting for the moment to take a step of faith. And, and we're giving ourselves excuses and we're saying, listen, I'll do that next time. When the pastor preaches on that sermon, I'll respond next time. When God calls me to talk to that person, I'll do it next time. And we're saying, God, it's not me. And you may be even saying to yourself, God, I'm not qualified. You're thinking about the next person that's going to come to this situation. You're thinking about the next thing that is going to be able to change it. Because I can't change what I am dealing with. And I'm here to tell you that I believe the Lord has given me a word, and the word is this, next is now. Your next situation, every excuse that you have said next to, I believe God is saying now. I believe God is saying, you may be looking at a situation and saying, God, I'll do it next time. The next time you want to deal with this in my life, I'll let you deal with it. And I'm saying to you that you need to say to God, God, I'll do it now. I'll stop making excuses and I will make an effort now. This is your now season. This is your season to create the change you want to see in your life, the things you are no longer satisfied with, the relationships you are no longer satisfied with, this is the now. Pastor Luis preached an amazing word on the authority of the word of God. And each and every one of us have an ability to speak the word of God and it has authority in our lives. You don't have to wait for God to give you authority. You already have the authority today. So I want us to jump into scripture, and I don't have a lot of time to be able to read all the scriptures that I want to read, so I'm going to abbreviate what I, I'm going to be reading here. And we're going to be reading out of Philippians chapter 2, and it's Paul writing to the Philippian church. And he's talking about Timothy, who he is sending to them. And he's talking about his relationship to Timothy because he's sending Timothy there to lead them, to disciple them, to grow them. And he says this in in verse 22, he says, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. 
And so as God began to deal with me about this concept of next is now and being able to take hold of the things of God and, and having them in this moment, he began to deal with me of a concept of sonship and fatherhood. You see, the Philippians church, Paul is writing to, he is telling them about his relationship. He's not introducing Timothy as a student who has all the answers to their biblical questions. He's not introducing him as someone who is a teacher for them to learn from. He introduces him as a son with his father. He introduces him as his spiritual son because there is something important we need to understand. There is a difference between being a mentor and a father. There is a difference between being a mentor and a father. You see, Paul wanted the church to understand this. He's sending someone with his DNA, not just his knowledge. He's sending someone that looks like him, not someone that is an identical replica of him, but someone that carries the things that he carries, that cares about the things that Paul cared about. And church, it is time for us to find people that we can connect to and we can say, I want to care about the things that they care about. I want to raise up a generation that cares about the heart of God. You see, the difference between sonship and fatherhood that we must understand that is different than that of a teacher is this. It's discipleship through life experience. It's taking someone by the hand and saying, listen, we're going to walk through life together. It's not just talking to people about the things in their life and saying, well, you need to fix this, this, and this. It's saying, hey, let me walk down here. Let me get on your level and show you how to dig out of this hole. Show you how to get out of the life issues that you have found yourself in. So why is it? that the relationship between a father and a son is more effective than that of a teacher. Because at the end of the day, it comes down to this. Sons don't abandon fathers when they feel misunderstood, and fathers don't abandon sons when they feel disappointed. You see, so often in life, we get to a point where if people don't take our advice and people, people make mistakes and you're like, well, I told them not to do that, we just write them off. Or if someone tells you something you don't want to hear, you automatically say, well, that's not of God because God has told me this. And we say, I can't, I can't be associated with that. So we write each other off. But a true relationship with a father and a son is saying, I might not understand it and I might not agree with it, but I know that God has placed you in my life for a reason. So I'm going to stick it out and I am going to push through. So why is this relationship? so much more important than that of a teacher. I believe it can be found in the very essence of our fallen nature. We are fallen creatures. We are separated from our creator, and we need salvation. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 says this about, cre about salvation. He says, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, through salvation. You see, the thing about it is this. Each and every one of us were born needing to be adopted into the family of God. You know what that means? Each and every one of us was born spiritual orphans. 
None of us can escape the reality of this. We are spiritual orphans desiring a relationship with our creator. We are separated from our creator, that of a child separated from their mother at birth. We are lost in this situation. And we desire to be found. And we desire for a relationship. Which brings me to my first point, the spirit. The spiritually orphaned. At the very core of human desire, we have a desire for acceptance. Our desire is to be accepted by others. And if we don't have biblical parameters and biblical understanding of how we should look for acceptance, that is what leads us to sin. We, it leads us to a sinful lifestyle because we're searching for acceptance in all the wrong places. And we have to understand that God desires a relationship for us. But if we don't know where to look, we'll miss it. And, you know, I, I've gotten to serve uh, as part of my job. I get to go regularly to our orphanage in Jamaica. And it's been an amazing honor that I get to, to play a part in some of these kids' lives. And, and so when I first started going to Jamaica, I became very uh, desiring to know why, why so many of the kids act and, and act out the ways that they do. So I began to research, and I went to some conferences, and, and I began to learn, why, why do kids that have these traumatic experiences, why do they act out in bad behavior? And this is what I truly learned. It's this, children will act out and do bad things, and so often we write it off as they're just bad kids, when in reality... They are just looking for acceptance, and they don't know how to accept, express their feelings. These kids don't know how to express what they are feeling inside, and it, it manifests as bad behaviors and different things. The same is with our walk with God. If we don't learn how to express our feelings to God, many times we will express them wrongly. Many times we will express them with bad characteristics. Because as non-believers, we're trying to fill the void of not being accepted by God. And we fill that void after chasing wrong relationships. We fill that void with alcohol. We fill that void with throwing ourselves into our work. We fill, fill that void with, with, with bad relationships. Whatever you fill that void with, it fills it for a little bit, but at the end of the day, it ends up coming back void because we are a creation that is meant to be with a creator, and we are separated from that creator, and we long to be accepted we become adopted into the kingdom of God as sons and daughters. When we have salvation, we are complete. But there's this misconception that Christians have that when you begin to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, everything just goes away and all your problems dissipate. But can I tell you that the, the spirit of the orphan, it kind of lingers. And, and the thing about it is even though we have been wholly made new by our creator, we still have to deal with the scars left behind from that spirit. It doesn't all just automatically get better. Because here's the thing. 
When you accept Christ, it is not the end of something. It is the beginning of something. It is the beginning of a journey. And that brings us to our second point, a spiritual journey. We all walk in a spiritual journey. 1 Corinthians 11.1 says this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Each of us are on a journey to grow closer to God. We are all trying to look like Christ more and more each day. And what Paul is writing here in 1 Corinthians, it really brings to light the strategy of how we should do that. We must follow those ahead of us as they follow Christ. We must, as sons and daughters, follow fathers and mothers as they follow Christ. Now, I want to make sure that I'm getting clear because there's a lot of confusion that, that a lot of times get, gets thrown around when, when a pastor starts preaching about spiritual sons and daughters and fathers and mothers. I'm not talking about physical parents. While you do play an incredible role in the development of your child's spirituality, I'm talking about to each and every one of us. Each and every one of us are called to be sons and daughters. And each and every one of us have potential to be mothers and fathers. And we have to be willing to take a step to do those things. I'm speaking to the people as mothers and fathers who are developed in their faith and able to lead others in their faith. Spiritual parenting is a biblical concept that is exemplified throughout the scripture. And we should strive to create these type of relationships today in our churches. I believe that these types of relationships empower us to see things now. When we recognize that it is our responsibility to take ownership of the next generation and not putting it off to the next person, not putting it off to, to, to the next generation, we have to say here and now I'm going to take a stand and I'm going to say I will help lead this next generation to an encounter with the Holy Spirit. You see many Christians today believe that all they need to grow deep with God is a Sunday morning experience. And I'm here to tell you that is deceitful. You need more than just a Sunday morning experience. You need to have a family around you. God created us for community. You know why God isn't just God the Father? Because he believes in community. It's not just God the Father and God the Son because that's just a couple. He believes in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's three. There's multiple people in God. So why do we think that we can be an island? Why do we think we can do what God can't? We have to surround ourselves with other believers who can develop us. You need spiritual fathers and mothers that can nurture your spirit one-on-one -on -one when the pastor can't. Because I can preach till I'm blue in my face and I can talk to you about what you need to do and how you need to act. But I don't know the situations in your life like your friend may. And if you don't allow your friend to talk into your life and you don't allow your friend to say this isn't of God and this relationship has to end, then you will be taken and you will no longer be able to develop into what God wants you to be. We must be willing to be fathers and mothers and sons and daughters in the spirit. We must allow others to be a part of our spiritual walk. So what does that look like? I want to talk about sons and daughters. 
What does it mean to be a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter? And this is, this is what I truly believe. All believers are spiritual sons and all need spiritual fathers, even if not all believers embrace or even understand the idea. You don't have to fully understand what it means to have a spiritual father over your life. That doesn't mean you don't need one. You don't have to fully understand what it means to be a son. That doesn't mean that you don't need to be one. We have to be willing to put ourselves in healthy relationships that will develop who we are as Christians. You see, spiritual sons are people who recognize their need for God and embrace the people that God puts in their life to develop them and to bring them to spiritual maturity. Some characteristics of a spiritual son are this. They're people who love God. They're people who know uh, who, who knows how to walk with others in faith. They're people who want to grow, people who want to mature. They're people who want to become spiritual fathers themselves. They want to pour into whoever comes after them. They don't want it to just stop with them. They don't want it to just be about them. They have a heart to help the next generation up. And this is the most important. Even when they become spiritual fathers, they always at the same time remain sons. You see, we learn this posture of sonship through Jesus. Because if we look at Jesus, we understand this about Jesus. Jesus is God. Our doctrine teaches us that Jesus is 100% God. He's not a prophet. He is God. He is God embodied in physical flesh. So Jesus is 100% God. Well, if Jesus is 100% God, that means that Jesus is God the Father. But Jesus always continues to have a posture as God the Son. Jesus understands that even though he is a father, he must still continue to be a son. So in our lives, if we are truly posturing ourselves after Jesus, we may say, you know, I may be a spiritual father, but I still have to be a spiritual son. I still have to submit to authority because authority is so important in our lives. Sonship is about walking with God, but it's also about walking with people. And it's about honoring God through those relationships. So I want to talk just very quickly on a a father-son relationship in the Bible. And it's found in Exodus chapter 24. And I can't read the whole thing because I'm running out of time. But I'm just going to read just parts of it. It says this, so Moses arose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up to the mountain of God and he said to the elders, wait here, watch this, for us, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and her are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. And then I'm going to skip to Exodus 33, 11. It says, inside the tent of meetings, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp. 
But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meetings. You see, Joshua and Moses developed a relationship that of a father and a son. Because you need to understand, Joshua wasn't in a place of second command. Joshua wasn't the second leader of Israel. Joshua wasn't, wasn't this amazing person who was extinguished. He wasn't an elder. He wasn't any of those things. He was an assistant. Joshua placed himself under the complete authority of Moses' leadership. And it's there that Joshua learned to serve Moses. He, he, he went and served under Moses to learn from Moses. And in verse 14, I find it so powerful because it says this, and he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. You see, there were elders that were a higher rank than Joshua. Yet, it was Joshua who was chosen to go with Moses as he communed with God. And we don't know how far Joshua got to go ahead of the others. But Joshua was allowed to go to a deeper place with Moses than anyone else. He got access to things that no one else got because he was willing to set himself under Moses. You see, when sons and daughters align themselves with mothers and fathers, they gain greater access into the presence of the Lord. I truly believe that when we will align ourselves, that is where God will pour himself out even more. I don't believe that it is an option for fathers and mothers to bring their sons and daughters along with them. I believe it is a must because we have to be willing to say, no matter what, I'm going to make sure that the ones under me get to experience the power of God. I want to make sure that they don't miss what God has for them. Spiritual children must be willing to follow and they must be willing to submit. We have to place ourselves beneath others so that our, sp our spirit may be developed. So what does that look practically here at GT? How do you find a father or a mother here at GT? Can I just tell you the, very, the easiest way to do this? And I'm not saying that this person is going to be with you for life, but it's just, it's, it's the step and the act. If you're saying, you know, I want to leave here, and I want to take a step to finding spiritual authority that I can sit under, join a small group. Because we have empowered our small group leaders. Because we believe that they can and will be able to help you walk through the things and trials of life. And they will be able to develop your spirit. You see, that's why we believe in small groups so profoundly, because we believe in connecting people that, who are spiritually younger with more spiritually developed Christians so that they can learn and develop themselves. That is how practical and easy it is, because at the end of the day, it is about discipleship. It is about being made to be greater 
like Christ, to look more like Christ. You see, the difference between being mentors and being someone who is mentored and being a son is this. Those being mentored learn concepts. Sons learn DNA. I am not satisfied for knowing concepts of God. I am not satisfied for having a concept of what God did in the Bible and a concept of what God can do for others. I need to experience in my being. I need to have an encounter in my life that marks me forever. It cannot be about a concept because a concept means it's something far off. A concept means it's something for over there. I need an encounter for me right here. I need it to be in my being because I have to believe that there is a God who can do it in me if he did it in them. As sons and daughters, find Christians who you aspire to be like and follow them as they follow Christ. You see, spiritual fathers and mothers in the faith will come and sometimes they will go but we must always be willing to submit ourselves to other believers to help us grow. Here are four practical steps. If you really want to get serious about growing, if you really want to get serious about how God can develop you as a son and a daughter, here are four steps. Have a heart to serve. Have a heart that isn't just about me, 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 me. Have a heart that isn't about, well, what can you give me? What, what, what can your ministry do for me? What, what can this church bring to my life? Have a heart that is outward thinking. What can I pour out? What can I be used to do? What can I do to serve you in your ministry? The second thing, if you want to be an effective son and daughter, submit. Authority is God's environment to break rebellion. You want to find out if there's some things in your life that need to be dealt with, put it under some authority and let some people speak to it. You'll find real quick if you have a rebellion problem. You'll find out real quick if you have a problem with authority in your life. But so often, many times, we don't even allow ourselves to be put under authority. Number three, allow yourself to be corrected. One of the things that is hardest for me to see in Christians' lives is this. They have no want or desire to be corrected in their life. And they would rather continue to move from one place to one place to one place rather than deal with a thing in their life. And when that issue comes up and rears its head, they move on to the next place. And, and they do great for a while, and that issue comes up, and they move on to the next place. Can I tell you this? Get under some authority that can call some things out of you and say, deal with it, and be willing to deal with it. Because, you know, dealing with it is uncomfortable. Dealing with it is not going to be easy. But if you will allow God to deal with it in your heart and deal with it in your life, you will be able to walk in something far greater. You'll get past this cycle. You'll break the cycle, not only for yourself, but for your children. And number four, stay. When you get offended, don't leave. When you feel misunderstood, don't leave. Don't leave because you're offended and your heart is hurting. Stay and say, God, if I really need to change, change me. 
God, if I really need to deal with it in my life, let me deal with it. And I briefly want to talk right now about fathers and mothers. You see, when we look at the relationship between Moses and Joshua, we find great insight about a good spiritual father. Inside the tent of meetings, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterwards, Moses returned to camp, and the young man who assisted him, Joshua, would remain behind in the tent of meetings. You see, Moses gave Joshua access to the presence of the Lord. Moses looked down at Joshua and said, come with me. Come with me as I go talk to the Lord. Because Moses understood this. There would come a day where Moses would no longer be there and Joshua would have to figure out how to go to the Father by himself. You see, Moses understood there would come a day where he would no longer be able to show Joshua how to do it or explain, Joshua, this is how you approach the presence of God. And so when he, what he did is he made sure that he taught him. And church, I am here today to tell you, if we are not going to be a generation that will show the next generation how to approach the Lord, they will miss out on their blessing. You see, it is not something that we can put off on the next person. It's not something we can even put off on the next generation. I'm talking to people that are far older than me. And I am here to tell you, my generation can't handle reaching down to my son's generation unless we get some people from your generation that will reach down to my generation and show us how to have an encounter with the Lord. It can't be enough to just talk to us about, well, in the, in the 80s, the Lord just poured himself out and it was just so amazing. The old times. It can't be enough for us to just talk about the old times. My generation needs an outpouring of the Holy Spirit now. We need to see the Lord do something now. Because you want to know what's on the line? What's on the line is this. Is spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers do not reach down to the next generation. We will see what happens when Joshua died because Joshua had this amazing encounter he had an amazing leader who showed him how to enter the presence of the Lord but when Joshua came time to lift up next he didn't and when Joshua died and the men around him died we read in Judges chapter 2 what took place and it says this now Joshua the son of Nun the servant of the Lord died when he was 110 years old Go to verse 10. And when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil. You want to know what is on the line? The salvation of your grandchildren is on the line. You want to know what is on the line? The whole next generation of believers is on the line because we have gotten so comfortable in saying, God, you can use the next person. God, you can do it for the next person. God, you can do something with somebody else but not me. We have to get to a place in our lives where we say, God, next is now. I'm not going to make excuses anymore. I'm going to go after the Lord.
You know, I wasn't going to do this. Jeez. Brother Bo, can you come here for a minute? None of you guys know this, but I'm going to tell you the principle of father and sonship right here. 16 or 17 years ago, Bo Walls decided not to make and push it off to next. He said, God, I'll do my part now for this next generation. And he took a Royal Ranger class on a dare street. And at that Royal Ranger class on a Wednesday night at a little red table, a boy by the name of Judah Howell gave his heart to the Lord because of this man. I am standing here preaching this sermon, crying out for my generation because of this man right here. Because he didn't push it off to next. He said, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to care about the boys now. I'm going to care about the next generation now. And all I'm saying is we need a lot more bow walls. We need a lot more men and women that will say, I'm going to make sure that the next generation has a moment and an experience with God. So, Brother Bo, I say this. I say thank you. Because my eternity is with the Father because of you. You didn't even know that, did you? Thank you. My son will know the Lord because of Bo Walls. I'm just one person that this man has touched in life. But I'm looking for more men like him and women like him that will say, it doesn't matter how I feel. I might not feel qualified. I don't know if you felt qualified to do it or not. But listen, you are. God will give you the strength. He will give you the power. You just have to be willing to go after him and to be used by him.